an interesting thing about collective bargaining. Because, I mean, there are people who are like, I think unions are like Satan, and uh, unions have their place. And they can get a little too strong, I think, at times, but they definitely have their place. And I worked for a traffic company, and they wanted to move the traffic reporting company, and they wanted to move the airport from the central part of town down to the southwest corner of town, which would be very un, very user-unfriendly to everybody who had to drive there twice a day, because it was a split-shift job, morning morning drive and afternoon drive. And Not to mention all those airplanes that would have to move. I mean, you know, when you move an airport to that part of town, it's like really rough. It hurts the planes more than anything. Yeah, especially if you don't have the wheels down, just scrapes them down the highway. No, they were just moving the landing site uh, for our helicopters. And... Everyone said, well, I'm just going to tell them no. I'm just going to tell them no. I'm not going to, I'm going to tell them I'm not going to drive down there twice a day. And it really would be ridiculous for the money we were making to drive there twice a day. And uh, so because there was no unified effort on the part of the employees, the general manager calls in one person and, and says, Gina, uh, come in here a second. Uh, I, I'm under the impression you're one of the people who doesn't really want to drive all the way down to that southwest corner of town. And she said, no, I don't. He goes, well, I need to know now if you won't, because I've got to have you replaced by Monday. (laughs) And Gene is standing there by herself, you know, and he's got the pen in his hand. And she says, well, I'll I'll try it. I'll try it. And then he calls in another person. It was the divide and conquer. Yeah, of course. One person, which is why when you see things like it with an airline where they don't want to have 25,000 people, even if they're not the most highly skilled people, 25,000 people walk all at once. So, anyway, just for that, if you're ever in an office situation like that, you might want to team up with your buddies. You know, unions, we, Texas is a right-to-work state, okay? So there are unions here, but they don't really have a whole lot of power. Right. But in, others, in, but in other states, they have a tremendous amount of power. And case in point, I was doing Comdex in a state that shall remain nameless, because I don't want any hate mail, but I'm doing Comdex in a state that shall remain nameless, that was not a right-to-work state and that had very strong unions. And we're setting our stuff up, and I'd never been to one of these things before, these trade shows where you have to rent the carpet. You can rent a carpet, a beautiful 10 by 10 piece of carpet for only $100 for two days. Incredible, incredible bargain. Can't take it home, can't spill anything on it, or there's a cleaning charge. But anyway, that's, that's the way the trade show biz goes. All right, so we're there, we're there the day early. Um, I drive up in my Jeep Cherokee. The Jeep Cherokee is loaded with equipment. We unload the Jeep Cherokee. I pull right up to the loading dock in the back, and I say to the guy who's standing there, can I park here? He goes, oh, yeah, no problem. They towed my car and went downtown. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of that. But that that wasn't the story. The story was we get all our stuff out, and there's an electrical outlet on the floor, which I figure, you know, I'll plug my power strips in there. I'll plug my uninterruptible power supplies in there. It'll all be good, right? I go to plug the thing in, and it was like one of these, no, in slow motion. Guy literally, literally grabs my arm and goes, what are you doing? I'm about to plug my power strip. You're not a union electrician. And I said to the guy, and I was, I was like confused and dazed and a little startled that somebody would grab my hand as I was about to plug something in. And he said, and I, and I said to him, no, I'm not a union electrician. He says, you have to have a union electrician to plug that in. And he was serious. And, you know, I didn't know what to do. They just, you know, they just towed my car. <laughs> I was like, you crying. You know, we paid God knows how much to meet this stupid trade show. I wound up paying $100 for a guy to come over, 
take the plug out of my hand, plug it in, and walk away. That cost me a hundred bucks. So that that was and is the power of unions in some places. Yes, a friend of mine, a former coworker, told me that he was working at a station, uh, the Apple, up in New York, that he had planned out this. What he said to him was a perfect segue from one song into another, and he was just ready to hit the button to start the second uh, turntable back then. And same thing, right through the glass window. Uh, here's a, a knock, and the uh, it's the it's the electrician or whatever the union guy from the uh, from I think it was NBC TV side, same same company, uh, just waving him off like no no you can't touch that button, <laughs> and he. And the guy walks away, and, he, and my friend says, I'm like, hey, we got to change the song right now. And the engineer's eating a sandwich, <laughs> <laughs> just stares at him, lets the music run out, and then just clunk, hits <laughs> the next turntable. He said all we were allowed to do, and that's how he found out, was the volume up and down on his microphone. Nothing else was he Nothing allowed to touch. Nothing else is allowed. Right. Rules are mm-hmm. rules. And that's how unions get bad names, too. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there probably is a place for unions in some industries where the, you know, where the management gets down on the worker's case. I mean, I imagine if you're in a poultry plant somewhere ripping chickens apart, you know, or whatever. You know, it would be nice to have a union that allowed you to have a five-minute break every so often. <laughs> that would be a good thing. But uh, when it gets to the point where... You know, plugging something into an electrical outlet becomes a hazardous job that only a union electrician can handle. Uh, you know, that's it's a little over the top. May may be a little over. It may you know there may be very good reasons that we are totally unaware of. Five people could have been killed in the last ten minutes doing it in states that we never hear about because you know they suppress that. Right, that gets totally suppressed. And now we know well, that there might actually be a good reasons. I was actually a union organizer on a job. Of course you were. <laughs> Back when I was 22. The Teamsters, uh, Teamsters were trying to get into our company to represent us. We had no representation and terrible pay. And uh, no protection, of course, from management. And so I ended up in a debate in the break room one day with the general manager and a bunch of other employees sitting around listening. And he said, well, what about all the things we do give you? What about the things we give you already? I said... Like what? <laughs> Besides our paycheck, like what? And he goes like, he looks around, like like coffee. We give you free coffee. They had the coffee pot there, and they did have coffee and creamer. And, and uh, I said, well, okay, yeah, that is nice. And the next day... It's all part of their plot. <laughs> the next day I walked in, and they had a 10-cent coin-operated coffee maker, which unfortunately had much worse tasting coffee right, than the regular so, product. So another startup that I worked for had a coffee service, right? And the coffee service was only in the main break room. So if you went into the main break room, there were these packets of coffee that you yourself could open up, pour into a you know paper filter, put in the machine, and away you know away you went to make coffee. No one would ever make coffee. Never ever happened. So I would make coffee every day because I like fresh coffee. I'd take whatever the stale coffee was, I'd empty the thing out, I'd rinse it out, which no one ever did, and I would make the fresh coffee, and I'd go back to my office for five minutes, and then do it all over again, because by then the fresh coffee was gone. Because my office was on the other side of the building, so I I complained to management. I said, you know, this really isn't working for me, because by the time I get here, it's always stale coffee. And they were very nice, it was a tech company with way too much money to spend. This company went through $20 million before they went under. But anyway... 
they got right on it. They called the coffee service up, and in the in an, in an, era, in an area in the hallway where there was a cabinet, they put another coffee maker in. And there were only two offices that this coffee maker served, and it was exactly the same as the other one. They had the filters, they had the coffee, they had the coffee maker, and they had a sink. It was great. Well, there's the flip side of that was I drank like 30 cups of coffee a day. Oh, my God. Because I would make a whole pot of coffee, and then, no, there was the other guy, I don't think drank coffee. It was basically <laughs> just there for me. So I was like making coffee, making So I go to the dentist, and the dentist goes, your tongue is black. I go, yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. Just a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen. So, you know, unions do have their place. That's my yeah, That was it. Well, in our case, we won by eight votes. But the uh, lawyers, the downtown lawyers for the company, challenged it all the way to the Supreme Court for some reason. I don't remember. The Supreme it. Court, yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. And they, uh, they disallowed seven. Of the eight votes, I don't know, they said, oh, those people weren't there that day, or that guy might have voted twice, there was no proof. And so it got down to, the union came in, and it's still there, like, 35 years later, by one vote. And I thought, it was the coffee. One vote. Because <laughs> they took away our free coffee, gave us a crappy dime coffee <laughs> that one day. It had to be. had to be. But I do want to say one thing about vending machine coffee. Okay. okay. I used to work at a large industrial company here in North Texas. No one will ever figure out what it is. The initials are TI, okay? But that'll never tell you what company it was. That's TMI. Right. That would be TMI. So anyway, I used to work at this large company. And they had a big cafeteria that they served absolutely horrible food that, that I never ate. But there's no escape from the coffee, right? You have to have, you know, if you're in the middle of the night, working in the middle of the night shifts, and like we always did back in those days, you have to have coffee. So they had a vending machine there that served three things. It served coffee, it served tea, and it served chicken broth, right? To my knowledge, the machine had never been cleaned, okay? So I'm walking to the, and so when you would get the coffee, it would always have a little bit of chicken broth in it or a little bit of tea in it or something, <laughs> And it was just the most horrible thing you've ever seen in your life. So one day, I happened to be walking past the cafeteria just after lunch, and I see a guy with a bucket and a, uh, a cloth, right? And he takes the cloth, and he sticks it in the bucket, and he wipes the, the outside of the vending machine first, and then he wipes oh. the inside with a nozzle. So without dipping it in the bucket or anything else, that was my last cup of <sighs> Industrial coffee machine coffee that I've ever had. It was bad enough that it didn't taste good, but once you'd seen that. No, no, yeah. there was no getting that out of my head. All right, that is it That's for today, time. folks.